0: Welcome to the Value Clarity podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value and all that it takes to sell, build, develop, and price to customer perceived value. Today, uh, I'm greatly honored to have this guest, uh, Gopalakrishna. You can call him Chris. Chris is the uh, the chief client success uh, evangelist for a company called Winsights. Chris, welcome. Thank you, Mark. Uh, tell us, first of all, kind of your history and how, how you came to uh, starting up sites. So you know, I
1: have been part of tech industry for uh, more than 17, 18 years now. And I've always been in customer-facing roles. So sales, business development, and pre-sales. So what I've learned is um, as a vendor, you're very, very uh, keen on selling what you have got without necessarily understanding what customer might need, right? So there is a fundamental disconnect between uh, what we have got to offer versus what client may have to solve a particular problem or fix a particular issue or even create new opportunities for the customers. So there is a, there's a significant disservice that we are doing to a customer Uh, by way of not really understanding them, therefore not
0: necessarily aligning to them. Chris, I couldn't agree more. Um, When I was a consultant for one of the biggest sales methodology shops, uh, me and a couple hundred other consultants like me just all agreed uh, anecdotally, and this is experience covering hundreds of thousands of individual B2B opportunities, we found that salespeople knew what they were selling but didn't know what the customer thought they were buying, didn't know what the customer thought the outcomes that the customer would achieve. And as you said, that's a huge disservice. So you figured it out relatively early in your career. And so how did that guide you with Winsights? So the fundamental premise of uh, founding
1: Winsights is to bridge that gap is to solve that problem for the vendors so that they have more and more success in their uh, customer conversations. So if I don't do it, uh, somebody else will do it. I might as well do it myself and create that value to my customers who are typically the IT and software vendors. The idea is how do I bring in the vendor-customer alignment? Right. In doing so, you as a vendor is actually creating a very tangible differentiator with your competition anyway. And more importantly, aligning to your customer in in very, very meaningful ways. Right. And this is a very, very proven conversation starter with whoever you want to target and you practically have no knowledge or no relationships with.
0: Yeah, I think there's layers of how important it is. It's always been important to understand your customer, but it has been, you know, before 2020 hit us, it was important because customers were self informing on the interwebs or with consultants or co- colleagues uh, more than ever. Uh, 70% had uh, informed themselves before they had talked to a cust- to any salesperson at all. So it's always been important to walk into that situation, knowing as much about your customer. But, you know, in 2020, it got even more important because that relationship cell that is no longer possible. So the only thing you have to hang your hat on is the value you bring and being the value when you're talking to a customer.
1: Absolutely, Mark. Um, Right. So like you said, the alignment could be at various levels. So what we do at WinSides is essentially align at multiple levels. For example, at an organizational level, would you know what values and what culture your customer actually live by right? Not many vendors really bother about the cultural, the historical aspects of your customer, right? They believe that's not important, but it is. Then how are you aligned at, let's say, the strategic priorities or strategic goals? Because that's where your customer wants to go in next five to 10 years. How are you aligned to achieving some of those strategic goals for your customers? Then we look at, individual organizations within the customer environment, which has got different priorities, right? How are you aligned to those individual departments? As an example, a CIO organization, right? How is CIO organization is driving forward with those strategic priorities? If you look at even at a B2B individual level, who are likely to be one of your decision makers, right? Do you know the, the remit as well as the aspiration of that particular individual uh, to move forward in the career? How are you helping that B2B buyer uh, to elevate their own career in the future? So all of these alignments are extremely important if you were to ch- you know stand a chance to maximize your chances of success.
0: Yeah, I think Winsight's, provides these as a service provides a lot of that information as a service
1: absolutely so what we do is uh we don't claim to have uh, our agents sitting in different client locations no far from it so we do that in a way that we don't sound uh, uh, too invasive right but you have sufficient intelligence at your disposal using which you are contextualizing your conversations with your target customer. So that we have found is much appreciated by the customer as well. Because what are you telling them? You're telling them, hey, we have done our homework. We know where you as an organization want to go. And we know where you as an individual is focused on. And here is where we believe we can help you very, very specifically. Would you like to have a conversation with us, right? So you're taking the conversation entirely in the context of your customer journey, right? Without sounding too invasive, that to us is a sure shot door opener,
0: right? Yeah. You know, in my book and in my practice, I am really adamant about doing this um, making sure that you research a company as well as you possibly can. I've got 12 things that I want to, to have my clients learn about a customer, preferably before they walk in for the first time, but certainly knowing about after that first conversation. So that's kind of my baseline, what I think you should should do. And what? Um, I guess start with that as a a core. If you walk into a customer, knowing that about a customer, what good things can happen? So, Mark, uh, uh, I'll give you a real-life story.
1: I was talking to a senior executive of a very, very large uh, system integrator or an IT service provider. So, he says, you know what, Chris, uh, we have no problem in having meetings with a senior executives of our customers or our target customers, because we have a big brand, and they don't say no to a meeting from our cell, you know, our end, because we are also a big brand. Now, their executive walk in um, and then have a meeting with the customer, not knowing the head and tail of who this customer is and what kind of organization does he or she represent and what challenges that he or she, uh, you know, have on a priority. Okay, you have a meeting. How are you investing in that meeting? Except to say, we can solve all your technology problems. You have no idea what those real problems are. So you've got this great opportunity to uh, have a face time with a senior executive of your customer, but all you're doing is to sell your own services without really investing any amount of time in understanding what problems they're actually confronted by. So, and that, sure enough, uh, is not converting into next level of meetings. And why should they? And why would they? Right?
0: Yeah. I've seen this over and over. I've been very lucky over my career to have even sales jobs where I was able to talk to people in the C-suite. And you learn very quickly that they are very nice people, but they are not patient people. And they don't suffer people who waste their time. And if you don't walk into that first meeting with them, showing that you understand their meeting, that you have done your homework, you will not get out of the, the administrators or their assistants' ante room without being, before you're on the blackball list. And you will never get another meeting with them again. So it's worse than not getting to the next step it's you will never get to the next step because you are a time waster.
1: Absolutely. And
0: what is the impression that you're giving to your customer? Hey, look,
1: I'm a big brand. I don't care to know about your problems because anyway you're going to tell me your problems, and I'm going to solve all of those problems for you. I mean that's such a such a you know a crude and a brutal way of approaching your customer if I may say so. Right? Yeah. So just. Uh, messing up with the opportunity, right? And on the contrary, we have seen uh, a mid-market IT vendor or a software vendor making enough, uh, putting enough efforts to understand the customer and finding ways and means to open the door. And then at the first opportunity of the interaction, that's specifically talking about the customer's language customer problems, customer issues, and they are saying, hey, we are not going to solve all of them, but specifically, we are going to solve one of them because we have got the experience and the story to tell you as to how we have solved that problem. Then suddenly, you're actually uh, making the entire conversation in a different, different uh, elevated zone altogether.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's that's very important. Um when you're able to do that, I mean, your your first, your number one goal in that first executive meeting is to deserve a second meeting. Absolutely. The the second priority is to actually get the get the, the customer to move a sale. But in that first one, you have to have enough credibility and show that you have enough understanding and insight into their business that you are worth their time. And it's almost, you almost don't need to do anything else other than deserve a second appointment because if you get the second appointment with them or they uh, refer you to a to a couple lieutenants, you've still won. Um, and you have the license to get back with them because you show that you speak their language, you do your research, you don't waste their time. And that is the goal. And so, you know, my basic six... 12 items are are good and I consider those kind of table stakes but um I was really impressed with some of the things that sites does over and above those um so I guess there's a couple things right one I say you should be able to do this yourself and there's some people who think that's a lot of you know sales forces who think that's a lot of work taking the sales people uh out of the field to do research and I I'm only somewhat persuaded by that because getting a salespeople, salesperson up to speed on a big opportunity is never time wasted. But um, a- after, even if you get that those 12 bits of information, either yourself or through uh, an administrative assistant or a marketing group or an outside uh, service provider... Um, there is much more available and Winsights does a lot of that. So what are some of the things that you do over and above those basics?
1: See, um, if it is to do with the basics, Mark, uh, I don't think our customers need uh, Winsights, right? The, The devil lies in the details. You know, when you peel the onion, there is much more that you learn about your target customers, right? Now, So it's very, very important to peel the onion, to get into detailing, because that's where you have your own opportunities lying. It's not in the superficial information. And guess what? This superficial information is available to everyone who has access to internet, right? All you have to do is to understand what are the sources where you can access that superficial information, right? and everybody can access that information but that's not really going to help you as much uh, because uh, that's just information what we provide to our customers is actionable intelligence intelligence that you can directly apply to act upon and then start reaching out to your own b2b buyers in those specific uh, customer ecosystems with specific conversations and that requires lot of intelligence to be able to act upon and that's not really easily available so that's the value we uh, we bring to our customers number one number two there is always a trade-off right uh, whether as a sales executive do you want to spend significant amount of your time and effort in getting into those details or you might as well invest that time and energy and effort in having conversations with your customers. And hey, salespeople are paid to do, you know, sales, not to sit and then do, you know, intelligence or information, right? There are better people to do that. Number two, uh, skill, right? Skill also matters a lot because you may have all the time, but you don't have the skill to do it. In any case, then you'll tap into a specialist uh, in a provider like windsite which can save you time money effort and then bring you the intelligence that you can immediately act upon
0: i yeah i am really impressed with what you do i mean just think about let's do the math right if you are a sales person making only a hundred thousand dollars a year and there are two thousand work hours a year that's what an hour that your time is worth? Yeah. And how many hours of that $500 at that $500 an hour rate will it take the average salesperson to do the kind of research that WinSights will provide at a a a time cost of zero, other than the time it takes them to read it and consume it?
1: So I think it may take anywhere between 50 to 100 hours um, if you're really going deep uh, into aligning with your customers at multiple levels. And we recommend that you do for must accounts because what we have realized is not all accounts are equal for our customers who are, who are uh, software and IT vendors. Not all accounts are equal. Therefore you wouldn't invest your resources equally on all those accounts. So what we highly recommend is tell me what are your must-win accounts for 2021, right? And then we will work with you to align you with each of those must-win accounts at multiple levels. And each of that alignment will take anywhere between 50 to 100 hours and multiplied by, let's say 20 such accounts. So we are talking about what, uh, uh, 2,000 hours? Yeah. Right? And 2,000 hours, A, you don't have the uh, skill to do it and tools to do it, and B, you know, translate that 2,000 into 500 in your language, right? That's about what, $100,000?
0: Yeah. Well, right? a- absolutely. And. You know, even if it even if somebody is very becomes very good and very practiced at it, and they take that 50 hours 50 to 100 hours down to 25 to 50 hours, that 25 hours doesn't happen in three days. That 25 hours happens over the course of weeks. Yeah, many weeks. And those are weeks that um, mean your first quarter is burned. Your second quarter might be burned. And so even if you do it yourself, the time that it took you is selling weeks in the year lost. That's right. And and, um, the opportunity cost of of all the selling hours that you couldn't spend is one thing, but all of the calendar hours. So the salesperson may or may not care about losing a quarter on an opportunity by doing research. No, they typically won't, they're going to start selling blind and going in and tr- talking to people unprepared and getting themselves blackballed. But the a number of hours spent, but the number of weeks consumed as, as you're doing that might be getting out of sync with a, a client's buying process. No, that, that's, that's very
1: true. And that's what, uh, you know, we have seen, I will give you a real-life example. I was talking to a CRO of a mid-market software vendor, uh, chief revenue officer. So, you know, you know, he said, Chris, you know, we, we do that uh, in-house. We have people dedicated for doing this. And I also, whenever I get time, I do that in a staggered manner. I said, that's great. Uh, so how is the... Uh, You know response from your target customers. You know what we have a biggest challenge in opening the doors. Uh, But I said you just said uh, uh, you have people to do it for you. Then why are you having challenge in opening the doors? Oh, but you know the output that our team is generating or the output that I am able to generate uh, is not worthy enough for us to act upon. I said why do you think so? I said you know we are we are trying to figure out, but the output is not good enough. Then I said, okay, so that means uh, your team is not well-equipped to do it. And obviously you're not well-equipped to do it because you're a CRO, you're supposed to sell. Um, And then I said, okay, then what is the best thing that you're doing? Okay, we are using a template where we have created some success with XYZ customer and we use the same metrics of that XYZ customer And then we use it as a template to go to other target accounts and use the same messaging uh, to tell them we have done here. We have saved so much uh, and we can do it for you. I said, okay, that sounds uh, reasonably good. Are you able to have conversations? He said, no. I said, how come? He said, you know what? All our competition does the same. I said, there you go. Because you are using a template, right? And you're saying, this is a template that I've created a success with, with XYZ customer, and I can also create a success for you. Well, it sounds okay to me, but the problem is, that's not what the customer is expecting. And same thing is what your competitor is doing as well. I said, how are you different? Uh, Then I said, okay, let's get on a a value-proofing opportunity where I give you one must-win account and you come back to me and tell me what you can do for it. I said, great, because I'm so confident that I give you tremendous amount of value, but I would rather do the talking by deliverable rather than a mere lip service. Then I went back and did my actionable intelligence on that specific must-win account. And I delivered. And he was, was wow. And he signed spot on for doing 10 must-win accounts. And I'm working on it right now.
0: Yeah, you know, that's a great story. And I'm reminded of a quote somebody gave me that, um, I think there's a book called Best Practices Are Stupid. And, you know, that's meant to shock you into asking why best practices are stupid. But the idea is your competitors, the best practice that you learn from a competitor is the competitor's strategy. Yeah. And so you're borrowing your best the best practices is getting you even with a competitor not ahead
1: yeah absolutely yeah um i mean i mean so that means you are striving to be an equal i
0: mean who wants to do that you want to outsmart your competitor, right you know there's a certain amount of benefit into getting to into that finalist presentation being in the final three but that takes your odds only up to 33%. That's true. Uh, And then, you know,
1: let's face it, whether you're a services vendor, whether you're a software vendor, I think there is only a 10, 20% delta that you can talk about differentiator, right? Uh, But 80, 90% is significantly similar to your competitor one, two, three, right? Yeah. So if it is, increasingly similar, then how are you different,
0: right? And I I spend a ton of time uh, with my clients helping understand their differentiation. And I love the fact that you are, and it is a very valid differentiation to differentiate on how you sell. Uh, If you are pursuing a value differentiation of being more customer focused than everybody, how you sell Is an important part of that yes and
1: that approach actually determines how you sell in terms of your entire sales cycle right yeah like like you quoted in the beginning of the conversation 70 plus percent of your b2b buyers are already doing their discovery their homework in in solving a particular problem for themselves and and only After that, they might be approaching one or two vendors to have a conversation with. So the the thing is, where are you when the customer is doing 70% of their discovery journey? You are nowhere figured there, right? right? So why should customer even spend any time with you, right? And if the customer gives you an opportunity, you have no clue. All you want to do is just sell. So you're not aligned to your B2B journey at all. Right. Yeah. So instead, when you when you are aligned, then you know that every step of the way you are adding significant value to your customer. Why? Because you are only talking about their problems, their challenges, and their opportunities.
0: Right. Absolutely. I love that, Chris. So, Chris, we could keep talking all day, but we are at time. Is there anything that we forgot to to uh, ask or talk about that you'd like to get out before we sign off? Absolutely. So. What I've seen is okay, all this sounds great.
1: Uh, I'm giving you examples of my live interaction with CROs and, in fact, CEOs. Chris, you know, all this sounds great. We see the value. uh, But what does it mean to us in terms of real dollars? You know, and of course, every CRO and every CEO asks that question, and rightfully so. So I tell them, you know, what are the what are the main things that you look in your sales outcomes? One is you want to win more, right? Two is you want to win them faster, right? And three is you want to win bigger, right? I mean, these are the three uh, key metrics. So in a very simplistic way, your win ratio has to be, you know, better. Your sales cycle has to be faster. And your deal value should be bigger, right? Yeah. Uh, this is these are the three you know metrics that a CRO measures himself or herself by. And guess what? What we do at WinSides specifically impacts all those three metrics very positively.
0: Absolutely. Right. Absolutely.
1: So, and why would you not? Why would you not do it? Yep. Right. And we have delivered, without an exception, a minimum of three to five X
0: for each of our customers availing our services. That's great. Well, tell people how they can get a hold of you. Um, there's a little time difference. You're in uh, Australia, but how can people get a hold of you? So I'm available on LinkedIn. They can
1: reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, winsights.co uh, is, our, is our company website. There's an email address, there's a number that uh, is displayed on the website. They can uh, write to that email address, or they can call that number, uh, or connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm available on LinkedIn most of the time, or even at uh, Chris, K-R-I-S, at uh, co is my direct email address.
0: Super. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for a great conversation. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast. Value, remember, is only in your customer's mind, which means your path to success is all in your customer's head. Thanks, and have a high-value day. Well, it ain't easy, because value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're going to drive over you insane. And if you ignore your customer's outcomes, you're bound to be cause you'll be singing those old don't know bad you po
1: this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-weetradio.com Radio.com.